0: Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, aka Lawrence Holmes. I appreciate you listening to today's episode. Last night, I was over at White Sox. I was over on 35th and Shields because I was asked to MC a forum about baseball and it was the Double Duty Classic. If you don't know, Ted Double Duty Radcliffe is a, a a former Negro Leagues player. Who's from Chicago. He lived for a long time. I think Double Duty lived to be like 102. Because I remember his centennial. I guess I could probably just look it up since I'm in my office sitting literally at my computer. Here, let me look it up. Double Duty Radcliffe. Um, I was at his 100th birthday that they had at the South Shore Cultural Center. So, yeah, he was... He was born on July 7th, 1902 and died August 11th, 2005. He was 103 years old. And so the story about double duty is they call him double duty because he could catch and he would catch one half of a double header and then he pitched the other. And he was great at both. And he, he used to have, I got this story from Bob Kendrick of the, the, the Negro League Museum president that he used to write on his his pads, his chest protector, thou shalt not steal, which is just so great. And you get really great stories out of the Negro Leagues like that. But every year, the White Sox do a double duty classic. They kind of recreate the East-West Shrine game. And back in the day, the East-West Shrine game was huge. They used to get... 50,000 people over at Comiskey park to watch the, the best players in the Negro leagues play. And duty was one of those players. It was always a lot of fun. So what they do is the white Sox started this thing called amateur city elite where they take players from the inner city. It's they have a couple different initiatives. Like they've been working with RBI and they have their own thing. Where they kind of identify really talented young players, mostly players of color, but there are a couple of white players too, that are involved in this and, and you can see it if you ever go to the game. i I highly recommend like next July. Uh, I'll maybe next time instead of being a jerk, like I'll I'll actually do a podcast on this before the next one so that you can buy tickets or be in, involved in it. I say all this to give you the background on on what I was doing. I got to call play-by-play play for it last year on NBC Sports Chicago, and it was a highlight of my career, to tell you the truth. One, I've, I've always loved doing play-by-play play for baseball, and I don't know if being somebody's play-by-play play guy is still a dream of mine. I do like to every now and again jump in, and do stuff. And so I've had a chance to call a couple of White Sox spring training games when they used to be on the score and we do like the White Sox interactive, which was a lot of fun. And I got to do this game. And it was great. It was a nail biting game and it was a lot it was a lot of excitement. I got to meet a lot of great kids and their parents. And so they asked me this year, they said, Hey, we'd love to have you back, which I was honored that they they brought me back for it and I said look I with the show moving I used to be on for those of you who don't know I used to do a show on the score in Chicago from 6 until 10 every night which left my days open and now I do a show from noon until 2 so there was no way that I was going to be able to do the play by play for the game but they said we'd really like for you to host the forum and I said great I really I enjoy that so the forum was myself. I, was, I wasn't I was on the panel, technically. I was just hosting. It was Marvin Freeman, former White Sox, like one year, but former MLB uh, player, Marquise Christensen, who played for 17 years. Clinton Yates from ESPN, who was delightful. And Adrian Burgos, uh, who's a professor at the University of Illinois, and he's also one of the guys from La Vida Baseball. He's an authority on the history of the game and the Negro leagues in particular, what's really funny is, and this is how the online world like comes together with, with what happens in real life. Some of you may know, I got my master's degree at the university of Alabama in journalism. What you don't know is that I had a final project that was focused on stereotyping and, media framing of latino baseball players and it had a lot of background in me delving into the history of the negro leagues too and professor Burgess is one of his books is actually cited in my piece i had no idea that he followed me on twitter until yesterday and i'm like man if i'd have known this three months ago i could have done a a sit down interview instead of having just to read the book and citing his work. Um, But we did a really cool panel where we had all of the participants in the double duty classic there in front of us. And we talked a lot of baseball and it was great. Like I always kind of knew that Marquise Grissom played with a chip on his shoulder, but I didn't quite know why until yesterday And he explained that he felt like he was carrying on the tradition of the Negro leagues whenever he stepped out onto the field. So he felt, he felt a lot of history and he felt a lot of anger for those players who were not allowed to get to the major leagues. And he felt a responsibility to, to be someone that was tough and hard nosed and played with a little bit of flair and, All this stuff. And and it was fascinating to hear that. I'm not going to completely do, like, it's not going to be an episode necessarily about the the Negro Leagues, although I am looking forward to having Professor Burgos on so he and I can talk about all sorts of stuff at a later date. Maybe it'll be a a two-parter, the way that we were carrying on yesterday. In asking a lot of questions of the people on the panel, um, I... I asked, I ended up asking some questions of the young men who were there and I wanted to pick their brain about baseball because if you're someone who is going to be a part of the White Sox amateur city elite, you've done something like you're, you're a good player and it probably means that you're an excellent athlete and I was curious on why they chose baseball. It it seems like a a, a weird thing to ask for those of us who love baseball. You know, I'm crazy about baseball. I I played it until they told me I couldn't play it anymore. You know, (laughs) like we all go through that whenever that is, whether for a lot of people, it's in the pros uh, for, for those people that we, whose opinion that we truly respect on the game. I got told by pros that I couldn't play anymore. Does that count? Have I ever told you the story of of being invited to some of the the, the local workouts? One day I'll tell you those stories. I, I'll I'll just say humble brag hashtag humble brag. So in college, and DePaul's team was club, but we were playing against. We played against a couple D ones. We played against a lot of NAIAs. We played against D twos and D threes. So I would get seen and I got invited to some of the the, the local camps and I, I, I got invited by the Atlanta Braves, the Florida Marlins and the Montreal Expos. I never made it out of that, but I, w- I will tell you that my biggest athletic victory in my life, the first thing that they have you do with these things is they have you run, which I unpacked my gear And I was like, they're just going to send me home like, because I can't run. Um, I was faster than I thought. The first thing they have you do, at least they did back then in 97, was you had to run a 60. So second to home. How fast can you get second to home? And if you ran higher than an eight, they just sent you home. So I'm like, okay, well, this is great. I'm out here early in the morning. I got my cleats ready to go. I got my catcher's gear and all this stuff in case they want me to catch. It's going to be eight and a half seconds, and they're going to send my ass home. Luckily, or I guess I was in better shape than I thought, I actually ran like 7-12. And half of the people there went home after that. I made it all the way to the hitting all the way and any of my teammates can tell you I could hit but I couldn't hit for power. I get on base like I think senior year I hit 357 but I only had two home runs in my entire baseball career. Like high school summer league, college and they came in the same game, okay? Anyway, enough with the humble brag. But I love baseball and I've always loved baseball. And that didn't mean that I didn't love other sports. Like, I, I loved basketball and I probably didn't go as far in basketball as I could have because I got hurt freshman year. And I've never really played basketball at 100% because I'm still kind of terrified because my injury was gruesome. You know, I, I had this really awful. A break in in my ankle that took months and months and months for for it to heal up and i've never felt quite right about basketball again I'm, i wouldn't even consider myself a run and jump athlete football i loved i i loved playing i actually still would love like a if i could find a good league of old people i always see like when i'm driving i live by the university of chicago and i always see on the uh The midway, I joke with Panther about this all the time because I always see these guys out there yelling at their girlfriends and wives. And I'm like, this doesn't seem fun at all. So we always joke that we're going to join a league and that she would probably be yelling at me instead of me yelling at her. But if I if I had to choose, if you had to nail me down and say, well, what's what's your sport? I would say baseball. And it's always kind of been there with me since I was a little kid. Like I've always loved it. And so I asked the panel about, I asked them the Brown sugar question. If you've ever seen the movie Brown sugar, you know, how did you fall in love with hip hop? Um, I asked them, how did you fall in love with baseball? And they told me some great stories about how they did it. I'm sitting there with a group of young men, probably you know 40 young men that are going to play baseball in college, which is one of the great things the amateur city elite program does. and I wanted to know like what drives them. and I I wonder if when we sit there and talk baseball at young men and and young women who love the game too, how do we get through to them? Baseball is such a hard thing to explain why you love like the the visuals aren't always enough to kind of capture i I think the things that we we truly enjoy and love about the game. and I kept thinking about that as I was sitting there with these 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 elite athletes who have made the choice of baseball, knowing that their their friends. Have probably chosen to play football, knowing that they probably had opportunities to to play to, to to not choose baseball that they probably had opportunities to play basketball or football and and I've been trying to figure out how how can we impress upon them the things that we love about baseball I'm not sure that I have a very good answer for you in in that regard. I, I was thinking about it on the drive home. And and I think part of it is playing it, but this is a generation of kids now, like this is the generation after like Tim Anderson. And it was funny because we had a, a really good conversation going back and forth where I asked them about the, the Tim Anderson bat chuck and they all loved it. I asked Marquise Grissom and Marvin Freeman about that, they both hated it. And I thought that there was some hypocrisy in there, especially because Marvin Freeman was saying how much he loved Satchel Page and that he loved when Satchel Page would pitch against Josh Gibson and then call the entire field to the dugout. And my thing was, if you enjoy that level of, of uh, flair and style and disrespect, then how can you, how can you then in the same breath, say that you don't like what Tim Anderson did because Tim Anderson was showing up the the pitcher. And 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 I do think that sometimes the unwritten rules of baseball sometimes get in the way. Like I I think that the the sport feels stuffy. And if you're trying to impress upon a new generation of player how can you impress upon them without answering some really tough questions about why do we still act like this? And if you don't know this about me and you probably don't, I, I was the baseball police, man. Any one of my teammates from Jackie Robinson league <laughs> up through, you know, me playing at DePaul will tell you that I was the serious dude on the team. I believed in tradition and respect and all this nonsense and, and, I I look back on it now. I'm like, man, you didn't have as much fun as you could have had playing the game because you were attached to all of this stuff swimming around in your head about how the game is supposed to be played. I'm not talking about not putting in the work like the, the work is important. I love putting in the work. One of my favorite things, and I was so happy to hear Jason Hayward say this when I talked to him this week. I loved infield in practice. I used to like it you know obviously playing catcher but i used to like it when i would move around and play third or second i i wanted those reps man like i wanted i wanted to to think situationally i wanted to to talk about first and third with one out i wanted to talk about runner on second with with two out i I mean all of that stuff i how do you go about this like what are you supposed to do what are you going to do when the ball is hit to you? Like I still, whenever I do play a sport, like my mind still goes there. I'm thinking the ball is hit to me every pitch. If I'm playing softball or something like that. And what am I going to do with it once I get it in my hands? But Tim Anderson has said that he doesn't watch baseball. He says that baseball is boring and I don't think he's wrong. I, I, I I think that the, the game itself can be a little bit tedious and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how did we get over that hump when we were younger? And maybe we got over the hump because there wasn't a lot else. Like I grew up in an era where I still remember it just being a few television networks. I lived pre cable. We didn't have cable. until I want to say we, high school for me, so you got your butt outside and you played and you played strikeout and you played wiffle ball and you played softball, especially if you're from Chicago, you, know, you played 16 inch softball. It was a good cheap sport to, to play. And if you had any baseball skills at all, you were even better at the game. I used to love those days, man. I I grew up and I went to a small Catholic school on the South side called St. Thaddeus. And Anytime I drive past there now and the school's gone and, you know, funding in the archdiocese is it's, it's been dwindling for the last 20 years in that regard. But I go over there and there used to be, it used to back up right against the train tracks. If you've ever gotten off on 95th street and headed West off of the Dan Ryan, my school is right before the train tracks. Um, and I think about when I was a kid We used to basically back up to the train tracks. That's where home plate was. And if you could hit the ball into the street where you pull into the church parking lot, like that was a big deal. Like, I remember watching my brother do that. My brother's five years older than me. I remember watching my brother do that in, you know, second and third grade and being like, one day I'm going to do that. And then I did it. And, you know, you have your, you know, I have my little league stuff and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, how can I pre- impress upon young people to love the game? And let me just say this, and I know I'm completely rambling, but you might be able to help me out in this regard. And you're more than welcome to hit me up on Twitter at Lawrence W. Holmes. If you got thoughts on this, I have I love fast pitch softball. And I am making it my mission over the next couple of years to travel and watch some and maybe even go to Oklahoma City next year for the Women's College World Series. I think that game is so great. I think it's fast. I think it's a perfect like television game. Our game, our, 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 our game of baseball, in, in trying to make it more appealing – and I'm sure that there's someone who's listening to this like, well, you know, they, the young people don't have to love baseball. Do you know the the average over the last couple of years, the, <laughs> the average age of the person who watches the MLB All-Star game is? 57. That's the average person who's watching the MLB All-Star game. But I want to know, like, why do you guys play it? Do you play it because you love it? Do you play it because it it offers an opportunity to maybe do something different with your life? Which I, I think is fine. I think if, if it's a means to an end, I'm all for that. But how do we convince them? I, I don't have a good answer to this question. And sometimes I do the podcast to work through some of this stuff. But I I'm sitting there looking at that group of faces. Knowing that in, in a lot of respects, and even in one particular respect, these are the the kids of the my friends. You know, there was actually someone who I went to grammar school with whose son is one of these players. And that, that was encouraging because this is someone who grew up in the exact same environment that I did and has a son that's a really good ball player. When I talk with my niece and nephews about it, my nieces and nephews about it. Like, they they will watch an inning with me. They love getting White Sox stuff and all that. I have one that's really into the game. And I'm not sure why yet. He hasn't really been. He's eight. So, he hasn't really been able to articulate it to me. But he loves it. But he's also in a big basketball family. And I'm just sitting there waiting on the moment when a basketball coach looks at him and goes, eh, you should come play point guard and just like your grandmother did. And just like your, your uncle did and just like your, your auntie did. And then he, he will lose baseball forever. I, I think of, I, I've been thinking about those, those kids And I'm very impressed with them. Uh, And I'm really do like what the White Sox are doing with the ACE program. I think it's worth your time. If you want to look into it, ACE, you know, ACE amateur city elite. And I, I thought it would be fun. Think about this yourself. What's your favorite, like Negro leagues player cap uniform ballpark story? Like I was thinking about that because I have a a couple of homestead greys hats and I'm really happy I got a Chicago American Giants cap from the White Sox for doing it and that's that's fantastic man like that connection to the history is pretty cool and maybe that's the thing my undergraduate degree is in history I've always loved history maybe that's the thing that is the tether and The history of Major League Baseball and the Negro Leagues in particular, it has a good pull to it. Like, there's a good story. There's an argument that the story of America is intertwined in there too. As the game finally was allowing people of color to play. And how that you can make an argument that it was a jumping off point for the civil rights movement. Some will say it is a culmination of all the work that was being done in the civil rights movement up until 1947. Basketball doesn't have that. With basketball, it's almost like there's a, the recent history is important. Like if you talk to guys right now in the NBA they will talk about Michael Jordan. And that's kind of where it starts and stops. Even though Bill Russell is sitting over there. Like I have a million rings. (laughs) Bill Russell's at like every all-star game, the MVP awards named after him and all this good stuff. But let's only talk about Jordan and football. There's really, I actually thought what the bears did was really dope with their bears. 100 thing only because it, puts players like Bill George out there. Like the guy who basically started middle linebacker, you know, baseball is so steeped in history, it, but I think that it's, it's both a blessing and a curse. The blessing is, is that there's, you know, almost 200 years of baseball history that's out there. The curse is, is this, is, this kind of sad, almost, uninviting aspect of baseball. So as I said, I don't have a lot of answers. I know I've been rambling on now for like 25 minutes talking about it, but these are things that were on my mind, and I thought that I would share with you. I, I, I'm always looking for more ways to get people involved, and you may know that when it comes to me gathering equipment, like that's kind of my deal. I like to get baseball and softball equipment to places where they don't have enough so that more children, particularly in places like the South Side and and I've gone to Northwest Indiana and to Gary and donated some of of the, the stuff that we've had, which has been donated from other people and other programs that have an overabundance of it. Or should have just said abundance of it. And I love to see the reaction from those students who get, who actually have a couple of different bats instead of one bat that the entire team shares and catching equipment is always at a premium, man. Like you, it costs a lot of money. It's, and I've got that stuff like that. It's important to me. It's probably one of the, the more important things that, that I feel like I've done right in, in my life. But Think about it and get back to me on Twitter if you want. Um, think about what it is that why you love baseball and how can we communicate that in a way that will translate to the next generation of baseball fans. Clint Yates asked a really interesting question of the panel of the audience. He, he said. You, know, you take your your sons to play games. How many of you know how to score a baseball game? and if there is significant interest in the game, it can be infectious if the whole family is involved or the person who's in charge of the primary care of the athlete is there they can they can help amplify the feelings of of baseball so I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to talk about some of this stuff. And if you got ideas, I'm down. Thanks to the White Sox for inviting me. I really love that and I look forward to I really look forward to it every year. When they ask me like, I, there's no hesitation. I'm like, "Yes, I'm in." And maybe we'll do something next year or maybe even soon. I guess I don't have to wait. I can I have a platform. I can do this whenever. Like we could do like a baseball summit. Like a bunch of us who are lovers of the games or fans of the games could get together and talk about the game. And then maybe we could figure out a better way to, to sell market and share it. Thanks for listening today. I have something for you before I go on vacation. Cause I'm going on vacation next week, man. It's going to be great. Talk to you soon.